Today on the podcast, we welcome Marlene Sorensen. Marlene has been engaged in exposing the darkness of sex trafficking in Madison for the past few years. She tells stories that are hard to hear, but it's important, I think, for us to be aware of what is happening. These are heartbreaking tales, but let's be praying. Uh, We need to push back against this darkness. Marlene and her husband are working hard to establish a ministry to minister to survivors. And so let's be praying that they would succeed in this as we listen to Marlene's story. I wanted to have you in just because when we think about sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. we don't think of Madison. Exactly. And can you just describe what you have maybe observed, experienced, learned about sex trafficking in Madison and I don't even know how many years has it been since you've been working in this area. Well, uh, 2016 is actually when God put sex traffic women on my heart. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on here. Yeah. So I'm thinking, am I supposed to go to Thailand? Right. You know, that's what we always think. We mm-hmm. think of countries we heard of where it's going on and through a series of really quite crazy and miraculous events. I come to find out is going on here. And so uh, my husband and I started down this journey of, uh, you know, looking towards building housing for for trafficked women. And so we started connecting in the city. Um, uh, I mean, actually, (laughs) to be honest, people started coming to us as they heard what we were wanting to do. And um, kind of early on in our journey, within that first year, we got a call from a lieutenant at the Madison Police Department who had heard what we were wanting to do. Mm-hmm. And he just invited us to come and talk with him and three of his detectives. And so we went in and he proceeded to tell us what was going on in Madison and much of the time, I was sat with my mouth hanging open. Wow. I had no idea. Wow. Um, so they said our greatest need for these young women is housing. There's no housing. They can There's do... There's where they can go. Yeah. They can do sting operations. They can uh, get them off the street. And then they have nowhere to put them. So they were excited that we were doing... Yeah. Housing. So um, so from that, we met, from that meeting, we met Detective Roger Baker, okay. um, who is now, as of January, actually hired on um, with the Special Victims Unit as solely working with human trafficking okay. citywide. Okay. So that in itself, when I tell people that, that in itself should tell you, huh, there must be a problem in our city. Yeah. If they have spent the last three years, at least, trying to get it in the budget to have somebody hired on specifically for human trafficking. Right. So, um, yeah, so we um, have seen and learned quite a bit. We, um, I was... Roger Baker, the detective, actually invited me to go to um, a monthly meeting 
of it's it's called I call it CSEC, um, but it's actually the co- coordinated community response to the commercial sexual exploitation of children. And at that meeting, everybody kind of gathers. So Project Respect, which is an organization, Project Respect is kind of the funnel in Madison that the detectives, different organizations, all kind of funnel everything through Project Respect. And what is Project Respect? It is uh, a nonprofit um, that works with... The director, Jan um, Miyasaki, has worked with trafficked women, sexually exploited women women for, gosh, I want to say 20 years. Okay. So she knows everything. So everybody looks to Jan. Okay. And uh, funnels... And she's kind of in her. charge of Project Respect? She is the director, yes. Gotcha, okay. Um, so I I believe that she was the one that actually got the CSEC meetings coordinated and started. Okay. She kind of oversees them. So um, there will be somebody there from the Department of Justice, sometimes the FBI, different organizations in Madison that are working with trafficking or with children, mm-hmm. Briar Patch. Um, so it's like a multifaceted kind of coalition. Yes. Everybody coming together, talking about what's going on, what are we seeing, what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. What would you say is, the, is, there, is there a typical story of, of a woman that's being trafficked? Um, is there a, yeah. I guess that's the question I have. Are there themes in common that you've observed? Um, yes and no. Yes, the yes would be. Um, oftentimes they've been sexually abused as children. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they're a runaway. Um, they, poverty has a big role to play in it. Um, sometimes it's just low self-esteem and they get targeted mm-hmm. by a trafficker. Um, you know how when y- you see a group of kids out there, you can you can tell which ones have low self-esteem right. and the ones who are just... And there's certain people that sadistically know how to prey absolutely. on that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would imagine that there may have been misconceptions that that I would have that maybe you had about a typical trafficking victim um is that do you think that's true yes and how, can you articulate maybe for yourself what some of those were and how they've been um readjusted yeah so um i think early on and so many people do i thought um sex trafficking was like girls mostly that were snatched off the street mm-hmm. and chained up somewhere and um, held against their will mm-hmm. um, and sold for sex. Yeah, uh, That's a common misconception. Yep. That happens, but that's really rare. Okay. Um, oftentimes it is simply a, a girl is targeted by a trafficker and she many times believes that he's her boyfriend. Okay. Uh, because he treats her, 
He might buy her things, expensive things, uh, treats her special. Um, she falls in love with him. And then the, the oftentimes, this is what I've, I've learned and heard across the board, is, is kind of for the young woman, once the trafficker has sex with her, mm-hmm. he's got her. Gotcha. And uh, then he he begins to um, get her to feel sorry for him. They need money. Um, I need you to do this for me. If you love me, you'll do this for me. And he gets her to have sex with somebody else for money. And it's like she doesn't even really know that she's participating in prostitution, really? She doesn't know. She has no idea. She thinks that this man loves her. Wow. And then it's usually from that point, once that starts um, and the money, you know, starts coming in, is oftentimes when he will begin the abusive things and, and the control. And this is typical in terms of what you've learned? Very typical. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's mm-hmm. a manipulation game. Huge. Huge manipulation. So it's not like, you, yeah, you, what you would think is like... Some guy who's just like threatening, you know, at, 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 even at the beginning or something yeah. of physical violence and all yeah. that. And, it, and I'm assuming it, it can turn into that very easily down the road. Very easily. Yeah. But at the beginning, it's it's more manipulation and grooming. Yep. Lots of grooming. Um, and then oftentimes uh, another scenario is um, is drugs. So he he might meet her at the mall. Mm-hmm. And they start partying together, and she falls for him, and then he gets her on drugs, and you know, kind of works that up to oftentimes heroin, mm-hmm. and then he controls her by the drug. Mm-hmm. We we've seen that um, where she's hooked, she's desperate, yeah, and yeah. he's making money off her addiction and her desperation. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. In fact, I I know of a uh, gal who was held in the basement in a house right here in Madison with two other gals, and um, they were were all addicted to heroin. And so this man controlled them by their addiction, wow. and he required them to bring in fifteen hundred dollars a day, and if they didn't then the abuse would start. They wouldn't get their, uh, their heroin, which um, when she was telling me about it, she said, there is nothing worse than being dope sick. Right. And you'll do anything right. for the heroin. So, so he doesn't need to like slap her around or nope, whatever. Though he did that too. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. But he just knows he's, he's got the power yep. because of their addiction. Yeah. How dark is that? Yeah. It's very dark. Oh, my word. Um, wow. It makes you, um, I'm just sitting here hearing this and thinking like, how is, you know, obviously we don't say this as Christians, but from a human side thinking like, how is redemption even possible? Mm -hmm. Um, what have you seen in terms of, have you met women that, uh, even in your five, four or five years working in this that have, um, come out of this? And have transitioned to 
um, either discipleship or just a normal human life that you're aware of? Uh, y- yes. Um, not the discipleship part. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not exactly, exactly true, but, um, on, on our, our, on our website was a, a young woman that, um, we interviewed mm-hmm. and, um, she came out of it and, uh, she's now working with other women peer support and Mm -hmm. um just an amazing young woman and she's married and she has young children now and she's she went from being trafficked here in madison being a heroin addict to now being um productive um we're connected with her i i actually love her like a daughter Mm -hmm. um gotten to work alongside her many times so um there's that she doesn't um she she doesn't know jesus yet mm-hmm. i kind of call her a pre-believer yeah but um yeah and uh, but then we also have this is the one uh because this is so fresh really uh a few months ago one of our volunteers with Sateo um actually connected with a young woman um, and began meeting with her and ended up taking her into their home. So our volunteer and her husband allowed this woman to come and live with them because mm-hmm. she was homeless. And um, beautiful thing with that one is the woman did give her heart to the Lord and began going to a Bible study. Wow. Um, so that was that was really beautiful, and that's very unusual. Um, I, I don't advise people to to take just go out there and find a, a homeless woman who's being trafficked and take her into your home there's a lot that goes with that very complicated very complicated mm-hmm. um that's why what we're doing with Sateo get you know um the process seems slow but the foundation that has to be laid before we even begin um is extremely important so yeah um yeah so what what is Sateo? Uh, i don't think we've talked about that yet in terms of the name what 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 is Sateo? Sateo is a greek word that means to pursue it's a z not a s it's a z oh Zeteo. z-e-t-e-o Zeteo yep. community okay um yeah and what is that uh greek word that means yep. <laughs> to pursue in order uh, to find is actually what it means so um we are, um, we actually started out, my husband and I, uh, Zateo began as a discipleship community. Okay. Um, and then when the Lord laid the whole thing about trafficked women on my heart, um, things began growing and expanding and go- we're going, oh my gosh, God's asking us to build homes for trafficked women. So um, our our vision is to uh, serve women who've been sexually exploited okay. by providing long-term housing, holistic care, and a uh, supportive Christian community. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So where does that stand like right now? What, um, where are you guys at in that process? Well, so um, we are working on the, the foundation pieces. Um, so we have an office in Monona, 
Um, we are uh, working right now with a doing a mentorship program with a large organization out of Atlanta, Georgia, called Wellspring Living. Mm. They've been uh, working with trafficked women since, I think, 92. Um, they actually, uh, one of our volunteers and I went down there and did a week-long training uh, at Wellspring. Amazing organization, but hard to sit and listen because they have two campuses in Atlanta. One is for 11 to 17-year-olds. Mm. Which, while the week that we were there, they actually got in an eleven-year-old who had been being trafficked. Oh my gosh! I I didn't even have a grid for that, but um, then they also have a campus for eighteen to I believe it's twenty-seven-year-olds. So, um, so we we connected with them. Um, we just began. Well, actually backups. We got an office last fall in Monona. Then we hired an administrative assistant in um, February. And we began the mentorship program with Wellspring in March, which is three phases. And they kind of walk you through all, a lot of the things we actually, surprisingly, already had done. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have come in with the fine tuning and help us um, get everything in place as you're you're looking to raise that much money. Right, it's a lot of money to right. do this. Right, because um, you want to build a house or buy a house. We want to build through up to three houses. Yeah, and then a large community house. Right. So, um, so we've been working with them and uh, working on the. Um, uh, case for support uh, so that we can present well. And, um, yeah. So you're going to be raising a bunch of money. We're going to be raising a bunch of money. Um, and there's this larger organization in Atlanta, is that what you Atlanta, said? Georgia, yeah. That is kind of helping you guys get established here. Yeah. So they're kind of, they've, they are where you guys kind of want to be. Yeah. And you're learning from them. They're much bigger than we want to be. Sure. But they've... You know, why reinvent the wheel? Amen. When they have right. uh, learned so much. so That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys have made a lot of progress since the last time we talked. Yeah. When, when I think you were in our home um, last year. Yeah. Talking about homeless people in Madison. Yeah. That's really encouraging. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to, um, someone from the Vine wanted to be a blessing to what you guys are doing, are there ways that you guys are seeking volunteers or, or is that not something you're really soliciting right now well uh yes and no yeah. <laughs> um we're working on um on putting together uh resources we have so we have an operations team that meets every week um and it's funny because since covid things have ramped up for us like um wow well, i'd expect the opposite i know well, so did we, yeah. and we've been busier than ever. Wow. So um, things have, have just really opened up. Um, the operations team is working hard on, on getting all the pieces in place, and so we're working on uh, a resource, um, what do you call it, um, connections, partnerships, where people who want to volunteer, um, we have... 
we have the resources and the connections to kind of put them where they would like to help and work. And so yeah. it's all of those things are in process. We hate to see to say, uh, no, we don't have a place for you to volunteer. We just we're we're working towards that and actually expanding it. Yeah. So there will be lots of places to volunteer. Um, we, uh, uh, Kenton and I, my husband, we kind of operate from the place of we don't want to just fill holes with people. Right. We. You want the right people. We want people who have a heart and a passion for uh, whatever thing it is. Yeah. Um, to be able to do, to do that, where it brings life to them instead of burnout. So. Right. Amen. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, we have a very similar philosophy at the vine. Yeah. Like we're not trying to just fill spots with yeah. anybody, but we want the right people right. that are wired according to the spirit's gifting. Yes. Um, cause that's going to bring endurance over the long haul Absolutely. and it's going to bless your ministry and not just, um, yeah. It's like, if you're building a house, you want people that are gifted and know how to build houses. Exactly. <laughs> and if you, <laughs> if you want someone to sit down with a woman who's been through unbelievable trauma, yes. that's a certain skill set. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, we resonate with that a hundred percent. Um, yeah. But just so you know, like um, all of our small groups, they're called city groups, have uh-huh. a mandate um, to serve the city. Mm-hmm. And more than, more specifically than just serving the city, God willing, it's serving any form of marginalized people group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, advocate for single moms in crisis, uh, advocate for maybe um, public school teachers in some form mm-hmm. that are you know, have very uh, challenging job description. Maybe it's internationals with English as a second language. Uh, maybe it's food pantry. Maybe it's homeless. Yeah. Maybe it's lots of different things. But um, if there are ways for folks to be a blessing uh, to your ministry, that maybe a small group could just serve. And it could be as simple as, you know, filling envelopes for a fundraiser or something. Sure. Um, don't be don't be shy about letting us know. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we really want to be a part of um, being a blessing in mm-hmm. our city. And um, the horror of what you're describing is something, as Christians, I, I really think uh, we need to be pushing back against. Yeah. Um, not everyone will have a calling like you have, mm-hmm. but um, there, there's probably a, a ton of creative ways that um, different people could do simple things just to be a blessing yeah. to what you're doing, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and we like to call the, the community part of what we're doing actually is the most important part. Um, yes, these women need to be off the, the streets. They need to be safe. Um, those are important pieces, but but the vision that God has given us is like, what are we inviting them into? You know, they need community. They need family. Um, they're longing for that. Um, and so we can either do that um, half-heartedly, or we can really do it with excellence. It's actually one of our values that we would do all of this with excellence, um, because that's how God operates. And so, the community piece of it, we actually call call it a kingdom community. So it's not this isn't a a church's mission. This is um, this is a mission in Madison um, that really requires a kingdom community of people coming together, you know, genuine followers of Jesus who want to be salt and light. And so these women, 
uh, our desire is that they would be just assimilated into something so beautiful, being lived out. Um, words are cheap to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Trust is hard to come yes. by. Yes. But it's going to take a long time. A long time. Yep. But if they see something being lived out that's genuine and beautiful and powerful and looks a lot like Jesus, well, our prayer is that he is who they would be drawn to. Yep. So, But uh, generally speaking, you're shooting for a residential type situation. Yes. And would they... Is it kind of uh, indefinite in terms of how long they would need to stay, like on a case by case basis, or do you have like more of a like a structure, or is it just more free flowing? Um, no, it would be there will be programming, mm-hmm. so they would actually be signing on. Right, they agreed to. They're agreed. They're there, free will. They're not forced. They can leave at any time. Mm-hmm. But they're so they're signing on um, to be a part of a program, mm-hmm. and so. Um, most all of them will need trauma therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will have horses. Mm-hmm. So we'll have equine therapy. Mm-hmm. We will have uh, a large garden. Um, that too is therapy. We'll have an art studio, a swimming pool. And just all of these pieces are a part of the holistic care. Mm-hmm. So getting them uh, the therapies that they need um, the, many of them are drug addicted, mm-hmm. alcohol addicted. So getting them that, what they need there. Um, one of the, the beautiful things that God put on my heart was, um, a couple of years ago was, I felt like he just spoke to my heart and said, I want you to help them dream mm. big dreams for their lives. And so, as they would come in presenting them, you know, with, hey, what would you love to do with your life? Mm-hmm. You want to go back to school? I sat with one woman who was a part of a trial here in Madison where a trafficker was, uh, was a federal case. And he was sent away for 30 years. But four of the women that he had trafficked testified against him. Mm. And it was, sat through that trial for a week. Um, was It was horrific to hear each one of these young women explain what he had done to them. Um, So I personally connected with one of the women and took her to lunch one day and we're sitting talking and I just said, I I said, so tell me, because she was telling me all of the things going wrong in her life. And I said, okay, tell me if you could do anything you wanted to do, Mm -hmm. anything, what would be the dream in your heart? Mm -hmm. And she said, I would love to be a social worker. Mm. And it's interesting because different women who I've talked to, many times they want to do something with their life that helps other people. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they just have no way to even dream that that's possible. Yeah. So our part of our programming would be to help them if they need their GED, help them get that if they need. And so within all of this, there's lots of, when you talk about volunteers and you think about the kind of the largeness (laughs) of this, we need mentors, we need volunteers, we need, you know, volunteers that would sit down and help a girl get her GED. Yeah. It's holistic, right? It's holistic. It's all of it. Well, if you need someone to come and 
open the Bible, I would love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we need all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can think of a lot of people at our church that would, you know, when you guys, um, you know, down the road, as mm -hmm. you're aware of what more of these things are, yeah. would really be interested to in hearing more. Mm -hmm. um, is there a difference between prostitution and trafficking? Well, that's a good question. And that's one I think where oftentimes people get really confused. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes people actually get hard-hearted about that. Mm. Help me understand what that means. Because, so people think that a prostitute, well, she's just choosing to do that. Right. Um, and and there's kind of a, a, a judgment that comes with that mm -hmm. when people view a prostitute. Mm -hmm. But uh, I often will say, what little girl dreams when she's a little girl of growing up and selling her body right. and being abused to survive you know does she really choose to do that again you look at the um, culture around her and what's happening oftentimes it's again it's drugs it's poverty it's it's things that she has no control over and the and and with prostitution she may not have a pimp or a trafficker. She may. I met one uh, at a at a dinner downtown that we were doing. I met a woman from Chicago and um, was having a conversation with her, and she, and she just said I was a prostitute in Chicago, and I said I said did you know did you have uh, a man you know working with you? And she <laughs> excuse me she said hell no. Mm -hmm. um, she said. Uh, I was I was on my own. I got my own money. I you know, and, and the the more that we talked, the more it just unfolded her desperate, desperate state mm -hmm. of having to go into prostitution or having she was homeless. She yeah. had nothing, and she had no means and no family, no connection. So she became a prostitute. Yeah, and then she moved to Madison. Um, but. Um, so the difference, I, I think that they are both situations where um, be, the woman really doesn't have a choice. Sure. It sounds like, though, there are certain scenarios where there is um, a coercive nature to a relationship yes. with a a man, I mean, probably there's women too that there are, are pimps, women but, too. Um, but it's uh, maybe prostitution is like for some women, they don't have an abusive pimp that's right that's demanding money from them. Right. Or, um, would that maybe be the, the classic definition? Of course, there's lots of overlap yeah. and horrible, right? Um, so, the definition of sex trafficking is, is you know, fraud. Fraud, force, or coercion mm -hmm. uh, for the purpose of commercial sex. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a prostitute, that doesn't necessarily fit f for her. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, somewhere along the line, she's probably been in a relationship like that. Sure. Um, so it gets really muddied, um, I think, as, as followers of Jesus— we just have to look at them as uh, women that he loves 
Amen. that they're not in this because, wow, isn't this a great life? Amen. Um, yeah, I mean, I asked the question just because out of ignorance on my own part, because there's two two terms, and I honestly didn't hadn't thought until just this conversation. I hadn't really yeah. thought through. Okay, what is the difference? Yeah, and is there a difference? And um, because I know that in some states, prostitution technically is legal, but sex trafficking is not. Right. But um, if you look deeper into those states, right, like Nevada, right, um, sex trafficking is increasing. Right. You would think. Well, if prostitution is legal, then the men can just go. No, it's 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 getting darker and darker. Yeah. And the ages of those being trafficked is getting younger and younger. Um, so. Yeah, something needs to be done. Amen. Is there a connection that you have? heard any stories of or in relationships between trafficking and uh, pornography? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pornography is the inroad for so many men uh, who are doing the purchasing. You Meaning know. like they are producing pornography or just participating? Well, or participating. Um, m- oftentimes the trafficking, the traffickers... Um, one of the ways that they'll get a young woman, especially like a high schooler, is um, they'll invite her to a party. Um, you know, usually it's a girl who's got low self-esteem or whatever, mm-hmm. and they target whatever and get her drunk, whatever, have sex with her. They'll video it. Oh, man. And then they will uh, blackmail. blackmail her with it. Uh, threatened to show it to her family, put it on social media, and um, they control her by that. So it's it, it's really it's really terrible what's what's going on. My goodness, yeah, that's that's a darkness that it's like you don't even know what to say. Yeah, you know. And and I'll just say this: talking about school, our schools are inundated with this. Like this it's sh- meaning it's shocking to me how our schools are being targeted by traffickers. I heard um, actually through Wellspring that there are online conferences, they're called, for traffickers to learn how to stay one step ahead. So they go on and they learn from seasoned traffickers how to traffic women. Uh, what to look for, how to go into the schools. Like an adult man, how to target a certain high school and certain kids in that high school to like invite them to that party, get them drunk, that whole thing? Well, the adult man will target a young man in the school. Oh, to work for him. He works for the trafficker. Wow. And that young man in the school does is the one who works within. And And getting something filmed and then blackmail. and yep. Oh my word! Yeah, it goes on and on and on, and it's it's so dark. Yeah, yeah. Do you know much about men that perpetrate this stuff? Like, is there a, a typical story for somebody like that? Like, I just it's it. I mean, I don't want to say that like, um, like 
you never want to say that like, oh, that, that can never be me. Like I, I have a doctrine of depravity and I know that I'm capable of all sorts of things if you put mm-hmm. me in the right scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the kind of thing where that those kind of thoughts haven't crossed my mind until honestly right now. And it's like, what brings somebody to, to that level of depravity? Um, like, have you learned anything about the perpetrators? The traffickers. Yeah. Traffickers. Traffickers. Um, yeah. Uh, it's really about money. Really? It's about money and control. Hmm. Cause you can make a lot of money. You can make a boatload of money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of money mm-hmm. that is made. And so and I'm sure it's like a drug where that money starts coming in. The power starts coming in. Exactly. And how am I going to get off this drug? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of times too, with the perpetrators though, is, um, uh, I think something that has made it more prominent is that we've, we've come through a fatherless generation mm-hmm. and, I think that a lot of times uh, these perpetrators are, you know, they're operating from a huge void in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I do think that fatherlessness is attached to it in many ways. So um, Perpetrators and victims? Both. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and then, and then once they get that taste of money, it becomes, you said it, a, a huge drug. Yeah. Um, and they want more and more and more. Therefore, a one trafficker could have four, five, six, seven, you know, girls working for him. And uh, as he's controlling them and telling them what their quota is for the day, um, he just keeps raising that quota or he's getting more girls. And... Um, it's crazy. It is a big business. Yeah. Do you see this? Like, um, I know it's, it's, it's very hard and we talk about this all the time. Like you don't want to make assumptions about people and mm-hmm. judging a book by its cover. But at the same time, I would imagine once you learn these women's stories, um, like, I don't know what to look for. Like, I, I feel like I've never, other than one occasion when I was at the mall and I mm-hmm. felt like, I wonder if something really sick is going on there but mm-hmm. i had no i had no idea i couldn't assume i had no data it just i don't know if it's the holy spirit or what but just yeah. something just pricked in my sure. heart like this doesn't look just based on this woman's countenance yeah. and the way that they look like they're interacting together but i didn't know that for sure mm-hmm. but do you feel like you like so i all i'd say is in madison i i don't feel like i've ever seen it like maybe you go to a big city and you see certain things or i've been in different locations, like in Las Vegas yeah. or in another big city and maybe in the hotel lobby or something, you're like, something like th- that seems like mm-hmm. uh, prostitution or trafficking or something. I've never said, I've never, I could never say that I've observed that really in Madison. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you see it in Madison? I do now that I've become aware. Um, that's why I think awareness is such a huge piece. And that's why I want you here. Of this. Yeah. Is bringing awareness to people. Um, uh, they say, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Don't just go, oh, I'm, you know, it's probably nothing. But what would you see with the caveat of like, 
unless we actually ask someone, mm-hmm. it might be harmful to make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, it's a fine line. Um, mm-hmm. I think anytime you see uh, a situation where um, maybe it's a, a couple, young couple, whatever, and y- you see her cower a bit or you see like she doesn't talk, he does all the talking and he seems to be controlling her, um, you know, things like that where he's telling her what to do. Um, I I met with a woman several times who, downtown Madison, um, her traffic, her uh, beat her senseless on the street. And somebody who saw it called the police. That's how he was caught. Caught. Yeah. And uh, went went to prison because then they, as they investigated, they found out, well, he, oh, he's been trafficking her. But he he beat her um, in the head till she had a brain bleed. Mm. And, um, you know, so if that person hadn't called and just looked at it and said, you know, oh, you know, that's not good or whatever and walked away and didn't or didn't want to, you know, have any part of it, um, he would still be on the loose. Yeah. So um, that's, I mean, that's an extreme, but there are things that when you become aware, when you understand um, the manipulation and you understand the coercion and the, you know, that it's, it's like he's in control. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, you just start to look for things. If she has bruises on her, yeah. um, you know. Well, I'll describe what I saw. Okay. And you can tell me what you think. Okay. Um, I was at the mall. I used to work at the Apple store when, Mm -hmm. um, when we first moved here 10 years ago. And, uh, the first thing that was weird is they were clearly together, but she always walked about six or seven paces behind him. Mm -hmm. So they weren't walking together. Yeah. He was in front and she walked behind him. She was dressed in a way that I would describe as provocative. Mm -hmm. Um, and her countenance, like, I mean, I've, as a pastor, like I pay attention to people's countenance, mm-hmm. you know, and it's hard to describe other than her countenance was very, very, uh, wasn't like she was, I could tell she was weighed down mm-hmm. and not full of life or joy or yeah. anything like that. And it, I mean, I, I remember just thinking like, man, I wonder if I just went up to her and said, are you okay? Mm. I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause I didn't feel like I had enough information and, she might have taken that to be, and I could have been totally wrong, mm-hmm. and that would have been a very offensive question. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that sounds like it rings a bell with anything you've observed, or yeah, it totally does. Um, and uh, you know, I think the operative word there is the mall, <laughs> because yeah. um, the malls in Madison have been target places for traffickers. East Town Mall has been a place and we've, we've learned this, you know, from the detectives and just in observation, you know, sometimes I would go in the mall and I'd sit and I'd watch, mm-hmm. um, by observation, you can actually see things transpiring. Yeah. And that, what you just described is, is, is very much in line with what we see happening with, um, perpetrators and their victims yeah 
Yeah. So. Wow. So Marlene, how do women get in touch with you? Like, um, what's that look like for, um, a woman? Yeah. How, how do you connect with these women that you've gotten to connect with in the last few years? So, um, some through Project Respect. Okay. Um, there's another organization that we work side by side with, Every Daughter, uh, here in Madison. Um, so we kind of share resources and um, work together. Um, we, we're, we were doing, up until COVID, a monthly uh, dinner for homeless women and children um, downtown um, made some great connections there, but because of COVID that it's not continuing. Um, so just through people, sometimes I'll get a phone call and, you know, somebody will say, Hey, would you, um, contact this person, whatever. And so, um, yeah, just so right now it's kind of relational connections and, yes. and these groups that you're affiliated with. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So as, as you guys are dreaming about um, Zateo, uh, did I say that right? Yes. As you're dreaming about <laughs> Zateo, um, how would a uh, a trafficked person get in touch with you guys when you guys are uh, more fully up and running? Is that something you've talked about? or? Well, I, th- I see the way um, I envision for Zateo really um, referrals. Gotcha. So we have uh, like connected with an uh, organization in Minneapolis called Breaking Free. They've been around for years, housing women up there. Um, I've become friends with the executive director there and, um, and, and then a, a home, a house in Green Bay connected with them and a couple in Chicago and it's like this network becomes this network and and so like Terry up at Breaking Free has said say if 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 I have a woman here that I need I just need to get her out of Minneapolis when you guys are up and running are you open to that I could send her to you I'm like absolutely same with Green Bay both ways If if we have a woman here in Madison that we just need to get her out of town um we've got places that we're connected to that we that we actually are in relationship with so we trust them um so referrals i know janet project respect um she's with the the police department absolutely yeah yeah rod uh, detective baker he's cheering us on project respect is cheering us on um and they're not you know christian project respect isn't a christian organization but but Jan, the the need for housing is so desperate mm-hmm. that um, they're just cheering us on. You know, Jan said to me, um, I think it was late fall last year. She said, "Marlene, do you think Zateo will be up and running in 2020?" And I just looked at her and I said, "Jan, we're praying that it will." Mm. Um, so, do you guys have a property? purchased we don't okay we are actually praying that somebody gives us 20 acres and we just had um a businessman put an offer on 40 acres and he wanted to give us 20 wow but 
an offer went in before his, mm. and so it's still not, still not quite sure if. Well, that's super encouraging, though. Oh, we were so excited, we could hardly stand it. Wow. Um, but that has been our prayer that God would just raise somebody up that would give us twenty acres of land. Yeah, it's just a matter um, of time. Yeah, yeah, and the and the more that, um, you know, we haven't done any big fundraising. We haven't because we want to do this with excellence. And so the foundation of what we're laying and preparing for Zateo um, to launch is just, it's just critical. And so we've been working hard on that. And so that when we go to uh, say a big donor, he's going to feel confident about the work that we've done and the preparation that we've done and the connections that we have. Um, So, yeah, we're we're getting we're getting ready. We're getting there. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear more. I I could see you coming back in a year and I would love to hear an update on what's going on with yeah. Zateo and what you're learning and how local churches could be a, a blessing yeah. to the restoration of women in Madison. Yeah. I, I, I think about that as so um in line with the heart of God. Like I I talk about this with my wife a lot. Um that God is in the restoration business, yes. you know, um, yeah. you know, rising up, um, you know, yeah. lifts us out of the ashes and, uh, making all things new. Yep. And, Absolutely. Uh, this is so, um, contrary to how God intended human beings to flourish yep. that, um, man, I, I'm so encouraged by how you guys are pushing against the darkness. Yeah. And I know that the enemy will um, want to stop you. Oh, Um, yeah. He tries. And you're aware of that, too. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we want to go to war against the enemy in prayer Mm -hmm. uh, with Bibles open. And so besides the land acquisition so that you can build three houses that you're dreaming of. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other prayer requests that our people could be maybe turn off this podcast and just pray for you for a few minutes mm-hmm. other than the land acquisition that is fresh on your mind? Well, uh, really praying against the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, the enemy does come at us and um, we know God is greater and, and the enemy is not going to stop. Mm-hmm you know, stop us. Um, so really, you know, praying for that. Um, and then just, uh, praying for the, um, as we complete the mentorship program that, um, that it would just be done well. Mm -hmm. Um, and also then just praying for people. We, we continue to need people with the right giftings, the right mm-hmm. heart, the right giftings um, to do different aspects of um, what needs to be done. Um, I always say I am, I have big vision, but not necessarily big gifting. <laughs> so I am, I have so much vision for this and that's what I love sharing is um and i i also have i say big faith big belief in a really really big god Mm -hmm. so um yeah we need lots of people to pick up 
different aspects. Yep. Um, so prayer for the right people mm-hmm. is a big one. Yeah. I, I think the other one that's honestly in the moment is just kind of laid on my heart for you and your husband, Marlene, is, is just perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I know just in my own story, or you look at the story of someone like Peter, yeah. uh, discipleship is a process. Yeah. You know, I mean, how long? I'm 44 and I'm still working on a lot of stuff. Oh. And the Lord is exposing yeah. things in his timing that I need to grow in and repent of. And But for a woman who's been through such extreme levels of mm-hmm. trauma, um, yeah. just to not give up mm-hmm. and uh, to not, you know, I think of don't give up, um, uh, don't grow weary in doing good. Mm-hmm. The Bible says uh, to remember that your labor is not in vain. Yeah. And that um, the Lord will finish the work that he promises mm-hmm. uh, to complete in those that he loves. And so I just feel like perseverance mm-hmm. for you guys is a, is a yeah. word that's so rich biblically. I mean, there's so much in the New Testament, especially about perseverance. Yeah. Um, but I, that's on my heart for you guys. And I will be praying for you with that. Like change doesn't happen overnight right. for any of us. Right. Oh, much less yeah. those that have endured such horrific trauma. Yeah. And so to have people that are willing to walk with someone with perseverance, mm-hmm. I think that's that requires a special enabling of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be praying that. And I ask anybody listening to this to pray for that too. Yeah. For, Thank you. That yeah. is a that is a right word. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Marlene, for joining us. Anything else you want to share before we sign off? Uh, no, I, I just, I appreciate the opportunity to come and, and talk and answer questions as best as I can. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, connecting. awareness is the first step. Absolutely. So this is, and maybe uh, next time you come back, we'll have a different, but today the goal accomplished, awareness. Yeah, yeah. And to hear what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it. And it's something anybody can do is bring awareness uh, to other people. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. people. Most people don't know this is going on here. Right. Um, but with social media now, there's a lot going. There actually is a lot on social media about sex trafficking right now. In Madison trafficking. specifically? Uh, no, just, just kind of across general. the board, yeah. which is which is good mm-hmm. because then it gets people wondering if it's going on anywhere near us. And mm-hmm. so um, so when people hear that, yes, it's going on in Madison and they they share it with others and they um, they ask questions. You know, I mean, it's so important to ask questions and not assume that it's this or it's that. So I appreciate the questions that you've asked. Mm -hmm. Really good questions that we've all had. Um, I've only been working in this a short time. And so, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming today. It's it's been a joy. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it's not a joy to hear these testimonies, but it's a joy to speak with you and to see what God is doing in in your lives. Well. Thank you, Zach. We appreciate your church, the prayer. Thanks for listening today to the Vine Church Podcast. As usual, you can subscribe via thevinemadison.org. And I want to say a huge thanks to my son, Taylor, for the sick piano riff at the beginning and end of this podcast. We'll see you next time.